0: Welcome to the AJP podcast, a podcast for pharmacists by pharmacists, where we discuss current events, relevant topics and emerging issues. I'm your host, Carly McMoore, and together with the AJP, I'm bringing you the opinions and expertise of different pharmacists to discuss their views and insights on topics relevant to pharmacists. Please like and rate each episode and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Um, Is it okay to do your introduction first?
1: Hello, my name is Andrew Top. I'm the CEO of Capital Chemist, a group of 45 pharmacies in ACT New South Wales with a couple of outliers in other parts of Australia. Um, and whilst I work in an office almost every day, I absolutely still identify as a pharmacist. Very happy to chat talking about pharmacy and dispensary uh, viability and Profitability, if that's the right word, is my favourite subject. So,
0: I thought so, and I've seen a lot more coming out about the fact that we have a month to go for ACPA um, negotiations before it kind of gets more locked in, and the fact that there still seems to be a whole bunch of discussions but not really action.
1: So. I haven't – look, I know they're all a little bit bound by um, – what's the word? The, the, the various levels of privacy and non-disclosure. Yeah. I have heard nothing. But it's a very tight timeline because they have to have it done by Christmas so that they can legislate it in January or February because Parliament's back, I think, early February, and then implement it on the 1st of
0: March. So, correct. So, I feel like everybody's been really quiet about it. Um, Like, I don't know, people might be talking to each other, but they're not really talking in general about ways that we can make meaningful reinvestment. So, Mm -hmm. yes, I thought we could be nice and hopefully practical, stimulate some thoughts and um, get some ideas out before this uh, deadline. Um, Andrew, could you please give us some insights as to what are some of the impacts of 60-day dispensing that you've seen across the pharmacies in the last two months? Uh, so
1: the uptake, the number of prescriptions being presented in pharmacies that actually are uh, um, real 60-day prescriptions, actually quite low, um, and I think that was to be expected because the, uh, an older prescription doesn't automatically qualify as a 60-day script just because of the drug. It needs to be rewritten by the doctor. We've seen a lot of inaccurate or uh, incomplete or incorrect prescription writing for doctors, handwriting 60 days on a 30-day script, writing double dispense on a drug that isn't even part of Trench 1. We've seen uh, quite a lot of what I would suggest maybe doesn't qualify for the stable patient conditions. Um, And I I wonder if people in the Department of Health actually are realising that maybe the clerical paperwork side of things is perhaps not something that um, prescribers are always completely attentive of. Um, but we're seeing an awful lot of, call them wrong, prescriptions, and um, the department has made it fairly clear that they don't believe it's a pharmacist's role to correct those. It's actually up to the prescriber, but in reality, it's a bit of a joint effort to, to get it done. We're seeing an enormous amount of waste, and that's the typical, you know, patient starting on a new drug. To which i would argue well how can you possibly be stable if it's a new drug but either way starting on a new drug new drug getting 60 days worth and then within a week um, being changed in strength or to a completely different drug so (laughs) there'll be a lot of pressure on the return unwanted medicines um campaign um a little bit of aggression from people what do you mean it's it's meant to be two for the price of one well no it's it's two for the price of one and a bit just depending upon which drug you're on. sometimes it's two for one, but in many times it's actually two for more than one. Um, and that's been a little bit disappointing. Uh, and but otherwise it's a slow and steady sort of we, you know we're watching the nostra data and our internal statistics. we can see the barometer moving slowly towards the 60-day uh, uh, uptake in, increasing. Um, but it has been relatively slow so far.
0: Is that what you would have
1: expected? Uh, Well, not really having much to base it on. Maybe I didn't really have, in my mind, I probably thought it would be a lot more advanced than it is now. One of the things that we're measuring internally And you would appreciate that the concept of two packets going out on one prescription is not new if you think about something like um, Panadine Fort going out 60 or 120 at a time or Advantan Cream, which has got listings for two, four, six, eight, 10, 12 packets. So there's never been a one-for-one relationship between number of packs dispensed and number of prescriptions dispensed. And so we went back to have a little look as to what historically that's looked like because if that changes you'd expect that to increase more packs per prescription in time. Um, And it is quite remarkable how it varies from pharmacy to pharmacy and that possibly dispense on their patient cohorts, depends on their prescribers. Um, In some pharmacies it's only 1.1 packs per prescription and in some pharmacies it's been up to 1.6 packs per prescription and the average is about 1.22 from memory and I suppose I do gain a little bit of reassurance from the fact that if we've had pharmacies in that 1.4 1.5 1.6 space before and we nudge towards that slowly over coming years provided we make adjustments and we you know don't just assume that it's business as usual we we should be able to survive um provided we make changes to sort of keep it balanced. Because, you know, if we move from 1.2 to 1.6 overall, that's quite a marked change in our dispensary viability. But some pharmacies have been there before and they've survived, so let's just keep our eye on it, measure it, adjust as we need to. Um,
0: I guess, As um, 60-day dispensing becomes more prominent, pharmacists won't have to be having more discussions with um, staff members and with customers around challenging discussions such as redundancies, um, notifying patients of changes in opening hours or notifying patients of um, charges of services that might have previously been free. So I guess I wanted to ask you in your experiences, um, how are the best ways to have those conversations or any advice you might have for those conversations? Um,
1: Well, I... I must admit, I never, ever thought I would need to provide guidance to our um, partners and pharmacy owners on the appropriate process for redundancies, but that's what we had to do. And it is worth noting we have shed partly through a bit of redundancy, partly through natural attrition, not replacing people, but we have shed about 10% of our workforce uh, since April, which, you know, uh, that's... Uh, That's very sad, I suppose, is what I would say. But um, the redundancy process, um, anybody listening to this who might be thinking that they need to shed some staff, you do not target a staff member for redundancies. You must consult widely. You must talk to all of your staff about the challenges the business is facing and the The plans that you're thinking about, you need to get their input, you need to see if somebody wants to reduce their hours, see if somebody wants a slightly different job description, a different workload, you need to consider all the moving parts before you come to the decision that a particular role is being made redundant, not the person. Then you need to start having more detailed conversations with the specific staff that might be affected. Um, And you need to consider the impact it would have on them. You need to consider their response, whether or not there's another option. Is there another role that they could do? Could they change their hours? Could they work at another location? Um, A redundancy discussion is not just, sorry, Andrew, you're gone. That is absolutely not what redundancy is. It is a process done properly, would take weeks. Every staff member should be part of the discussion. And that's a bit challenging because when you start talking about these things, um staff know that something's up, but, you know, that's the process for redundancy. It is what it is. Uh, in terms of charging for things that are traditionally been free, look at Capital Chemist, where we have maybe for many years been um, working towards uh, service uh, profitability and viability, doing stuff for free in the hope that you get more prescriptions is not really a great business model for pharmacy. And we moved away from that a long time ago. So we have charged for dose administration A's. We have charged for deliveries for years, deliveries in particular um, during COVID when everybody, when deliveries went through the roof. And it sort of became obvious that a free delivery service was a bit of an unrealistic expectation from um, many parts of the public. So we've been charging for that, but they have gone up and we've measured it. We, we can see that those prices have increased. Um, you know, perhaps some members of parliament suggested that we were being melodramatic and we wouldn't need to. But, you know, I can absolutely tell you the shedding of the staff, the increasing of the um, fees and charges associated with services um, has been part of our response to um, the the creeping and increasing losses that we're going to face from 60 days. Uh, in terms of messaging, uh, a clear message, it's not apologetic. It's not our fault that we're doing it. It's been forced upon us. Um, if, if a customer had a a complaint, um, they could, of course, take it to their local Member of Parliament. Um, changes in trading hours, we have had half a dozen stores who've uh, adjusted their hours, um, particularly looking at some of those later nights or public holiday sort of situations where it's Maybe more expensive to staff, but also a bit more marginal because there's not as many customers. Um, And there is, look, you absolutely have to be clear on that, lots of advance notice, all the typical things, um, your Facebook page, the signage on your shop, uh, the signage on your website. You've got to remember your um, Google My Business page, which is something that maybe a lot of people aren't aware of, the Google My Business page that sort of grows organically. You need to have control of that. The, the guilds, is it find a pharmacy, or find my pharmacy webpage, there's trading hours on there, you need to update that. Um, and obviously local prescribers and, you know, if you service a nursing home or, or some aged care facility or there's uh, a slightly more vulnerable member of the community that might be relying on you, it's probably worth a personalised approach to them as well.
0: You've mentioned making these changes um, in advance of the creeping um, impacts of 60-day dispensing. Your advice is for people to look at their business early on and make sure that they make these or, or plan for some of these changes if um, if necessary?
1: We were, I don't know if luck is the right word, but there was a bit of fortuitous timing for us back in April when the announcement was made. Um, we had our uh, twice-yearly mini conference that we hold twice a year uh, we had that uh, about 10 days after the announcement so months and months of planning for that conference was out the door because we've got a new agenda guys um we had our own internal data prior to the Nostra data and the strong room data that showed how big a hole was going to be punched into our um, into our viability um, so we knew what the worst case scenario looked like and we sat down in a room for two days and we talked about, well, what can we do to fix that? And we came up with a list of 25 things. And, you know, the obvious one is, well, we will start charging for deliveries and we will increase our dose administration aid fees. But other other things like um, uh, the, the workflow in a pharmacy, the roles and um, job descriptions within a pharmacy, finding new opportunities and turning them into a, a standard st- a standalone supportive viable option um that that adds to the level of service and the level of value that we that we can offer to our customers and for every store that mix of changes is going to be different but we also then um we made a decision as a group to show demonstrate results um where where people have made change because change can be you know challenging some people get a little bit anxious at the thought of it And might also respond, oh, I can't do that because our customers won't like that, or I can't do that because my staff won't like that. Well, okay, here's 45 stores of which 38 have made this change, and it's been relatively pain-free, and it's been accepted, and it's delivering value, and it's supporting the business, and therefore the other ones that maybe haven't made the change, there's a bit of encouragement and evidence that it can be done, um, rather than just... Hiding in the sand and thinking it can't be done. It's all too hard. And we've got to be honest, if you're still having these discussions now about what you might do to offset the impacts, you're running out of time, guys, because the impacts are starting. Um, You know, we are seeing roughly 1% of our script volume gone um, because. The 60, what what was 30 days is now 60 days. And it's about, I think the last time I checked was 0.92% of our script volume. Well, that's 1% of your scripts. Organic script growth is only about 3%. Don't quote me on that. Um, So you've got one third of your script growth gone. Now's the time to start making these changes. Um, You should have have been having these discussions over the previous six months. Can I
0: ask what are some of your hopes for the 8CPA? Oh, look, I think I'm a little bit realistic. Um, I'd be
1: very surprised if the size of the funding envelope available to community pharmacy to deliver the PBS was massively increased. I genuinely don't think that there is an appetite from government or a, a large enough bucket of money to fund a substantial increase. I think that we will absolutely see a push towards more cognitive services, um as distinct from dispensing but we absolutely have to have viable dispensing um if we don't have strong viable well-funded dispensing nothing else works because one of the processes that we've gone through is looking at all the things that we do that provide healthcare and provide value and provide that meet the public needs be it delivery or be it a cpap service or be it a um a, oxygen concentration service or a compression garment service or a diabetes educator service or all the things that we do beyond dispensing that are absolutely health related, none of them exist as a standalone. Um, Because if they did, we would have seen standalone pharmacist vaccination clinics or standalone um, pharmacist led diabetes clinics. They just don't exist. Therefore, if you want pharmacy to run them, you've got to accept that the basic dispensing must be funded. The quick pro quo is basic dispensing must be done well. Um, pharmacists shouldn't be distracted by the need to do the next vaccination service and then take their eyes off the dispensing process. Yes, you might change the staff mix that does it. Yes, you might offload some of the clerical and admin to train dispensary technicians. But the professional side of dispensing must remain in the in the pharmacist's um, Um, Under his oversight, his or her oversight, and must be well funded.
0: So, some of the realistic expectations or suggestions potentially for um, for HCPA would be, I guess, if sixty-day dispensing is here, then increasing reimbursement on the scripts that are done. What would be some practical? ways to actually do the meaningful reinvestment.
1: Uh, They could possibly link the AHI to the number of packets that are dispensed. You know, AHI was designed to acknowledge that there are costs associated with managing, ordering, holding um, stock. So if you're going to do twice as much stock, it's a pretty reasonable argument that maybe the AHI should be linked to the, the volume of stock that's being done. Um I still am I'm angry at what they've done to methadone um, and opioid replacement therapy. I absolutely support, call it the nationalisation of methadone and funding it through the PBS. However, they have underfunded it and they've made it much more complex than it needed to be. Um, so I would like to see that addressed. Uh, in the ACT, where 21 of our pharmacies are, we actually, our funding was cut. ACT had quite a good... Government support program um, for pharmacies doing methadone that was working and was delivering good access for patients and um, a, a good uptake of methadone in community pharmacies. And uh, the, the federalisation or the nationalisation of it has actually worked against it. We now there's not many new places available. Um, I don't. I know none of our stores have stopped doing it but they are less enthusiastic about doing more of it because it's underfunded Um, and the injection rate, the injection um, fee for administering a weekly or monthly buprenorphine injection is offensive. You know, $22 and a few cents for for that process, for something that is life-saving, life-changing and inherently risky in a vulnerable population for $22. I'm sorry that that program will not succeed. That needs to be addressed. Um I listened to the health minister the other night repeat yet again that pharmacists will be paid the same to vaccinate as a doctor would be. And I would actually genuinely say I don't believe any doctor vaccinates for a simple $19 payment. It is always part of a larger review of a patient and a pharmacist must make exactly the same assessment um, before providing a vaccination. So I find that that will need to be addressed. Um, aged care. DAAs in aged care, that is a disaster. And again, evidence that the senior staff in the department don't really understand the the, the dynamics of, of pharmacy dispensing, particularly in aged care. Um, to me, there's a very simple solution to that. Open up a Uh, a DAA program a little bit like the Indigenous program but specifically for aged care patients so that there is a fee paid to pharmacies for providing those services because whilst I my my gut feeling is that the um, aged care specialty pharmacies are got a wait and see attitude wait and see what happens with HCPA, wait and see what happens with the second and maybe the third tranche but at some point they're going to realise oh heavens above this is actually not viable and you know our grandparents and parents who need support in aged care, be it in a facility or ageing gracefully at home, um, underfunded and so vulnerable. And again, the department doesn't seem to be listening or acknowledging or even understanding that there is a problem there. So aged care funding, absolutely.
0: Thank you. Um, I thought I'd ask how are pharmacists, support staff and customers handling these changes? Uh,
1: I think it's safe to say that there's not the average customer is not very fluent in the workings of the PBS. Um, so with the exception of the few aggressive people who were who had been promised two for one by the health minister and his fancy advertising, but he's not actually having that because the prescription doesn't qualify, the drug doesn't qualify, the price of the drug doesn't meet that criteria. Um, That was possibly an initial thing that's settling down now. Um, Pharmacy staff, I think they've taken it in their stride as well. They're pretty resilient after the last three or four years we've had. um, Still dealing with shortage after shortage after shortage, and it's not being helped by the 60-day thing. And I know that there's plenty of people who say that that was a furphy, put out by the Pharmacy Guild and the department said, there's no shortages. Oh, well, there is shortages and you can go onto TGA and see how they are. And even then the TGA shortage list is not really as up to date or reflective of what's happening in the real world. Um, it's a space that we manage proactively to try and predict where the next shortage will come from. And it, it's never ending. Um, and we're not talking about obscure or rare or uncommon drugs. And even if we're talking about a drug with multiple generics, by the time you lose two or three generic brands of metformin, for instance, your whole metformin supply is vulnerable because you can't expect the other three or four brands to be able to cope with 100% of the volume when they've traditionally only done 50. The lead times for these things are not days, they are months. So shortages continue to be a challenge, and 60 days is not helping that.
0: So, I thought I'd ask you, what advice do you have for pharmacists at this point, two months in, um, and with 8 about to become a real, um, reality?
1: Well, we, we hope it will become a reality. Everybody involved, and I suspect you know many of the same people that I know, they're all, as they should be, very mum, very tight-lipped about it because there's non-disclosure agreements in place. But it's a tight timeline, isn't it? If we want to start this on the 1st of March with Trench 2, my amateur sort of estimate is that it'll need to be legislated in February or gazetted or whatever process makes it law. And, you know, there's a bit of planning that will need to go into, you know, if new programs need to be implemented or new payment pathways need to be opened. that takes time. Um, so it needs to be being done now, you know, the, 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 the the document that will become CPA needs to be largely put together before Christmas. That's a pretty tight timeline, isn't it? So um, so to the pharmacists on the negotiating committee, good luck, work hard. I'm really sorry that you're going to be away from your families um, at a what's meant to be a more relaxed time of year with end of year celebrations. But on behalf of the profession, thank you for your efforts. And I genuinely hope they go well. Um, but for community pharmacists in general, I would not think that you can assume that 8CPA is gonna be the panacea to all of our challenges that we face, which means we need to take control. Um, and if that means we introduce a delivery fee, even though the guy down the road doesn't, that's fine. You need to keep your business viable. If that means your DAAs go up by three, four, $5, that's what it requires and so be it. Um, if you need to stop discounting in the UG space, okay, make the decision and do it because we are talking about your viability and you are the only one that really can take control of that. Ignore what you can't control, ignore what's going on outside your shop and and make the change in your pharmacy um, and be comfortable that those results, that, that, that your patients will come on the journey with you and that those results will make it worthwhile.
0: Um, is there anything that I haven't asked you? There's another part of it.
1: Like, we talk about the PBS. And don't get me wrong, PBS is important. It's, you know, 10 years ago it was 80% of our turnover and probably 90% of our margin. Um, The, a well-run retail, professional retail um, offer, health-related, as you have first-hand experience that Capital Chemist does, uh, and a broad-reaching, valued uh, services offer, which, you know, there's dozens and dozens of things that could count as services in in pharmacy. Um, So in our group, that's, you know, going from 80, 20, 75, 25, 10 years ago, we're sort of now moving into the 60-20-20 space: 60% dispensary, 20% retail, most of which is health-related, and 20% cognitive services. Um, quite a profound change, and probably something that I mean, I'm I'm thrilled that we have successfully gone down that road. Um, probably more significant than perhaps I would have thought it would have been if you'd asked me this question 10 years ago. Yes, we've embarked on a services-oriented journey. Yes, our pharmacies are transforming into healthcare destinations. Yes, we've got a consult room in half of our pharmacies, whereas now we've got two consult rooms in most pharmacies and we've got 13 in one. Um, that 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 concept 10 years ago, just completely foreign, whereas now it's normal. It's, it's just normal. And Pharmacies building their second, their third, sometimes their fourth or their 13th consult room. Well, that's a space that we are proud to be seen to be leaders in and it is delivering value to us.
0: Thank you. Thank you. It's great to have some um, practical suggestions with the ACBA because everything at the moment seems very um, theoretical. So it's...
1: Is there there probably possibly one other thing? Um, Your response, one of your earlier questions was on redundancies and don't get me wrong. Changing your staff mix, possibly an overall reduction, but changing your staff mix will involve discussions about redundancies, but it it shouldn't be white coat redundancies. Um, We've done the numbers internally and we've looked at Number of pharmacist hours worked as a and, and then sort of as a proxy for number of prescriptions dispensed. More white coats means fewer prescriptions per hour per pharmacist. But it frees those pharmacists up or they are rostered on for non-traditional dispensing roles. And we've got clear evidence that shows that more white coats actually improves your pharmacy profitability, measures of success, retail growth, dispensary volume growth, customer growth, gross margin growth. Um, So if you are considering the changes that you might need to make um, in a staffing perspective, I wouldn't be looking at your expensive pharmacists. If you've got good pharmacists who are committed to their customers, who are engaged with their customers and who are accessible to their customers, they're gold, keep them. You, You can't, lose those because cutting your pharmacists actually goes against scope of practice it goes against the the slightly um the 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 government's sort of push of of uh healthcare professionals to their full scope of practice you can't do it if you don't have those people on your staff so if you've got good pharmacists keep them nurture them encourage them to do more stuff um but don't just get rid of them cuz that's a very very blunt way to respond to this, and will work against you.
0: Brilliant. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. So I, I guess the only other thing is, is there any, um, I guess in the next couple of months, because we've still got eight CPA and things, is there anything that pharmacists should be looking at, um, as in with relation to their there any advice for them over the next couple of months, because yeah, it'll be Christmas, it'll be all the rest of it. Um, I guess any advice for things they should look out for as well?
1: Um, don't be afraid of change. We maybe we don't know what this journey that we're on looks like in twenty twenty nine or twenty twenty five for that matter, but we will get through tomorrow. And we know we can do better the following day and the following week. So don't be afraid to start the journey even if you don't quite know where it's going to end up.
0: Thank you. You've been amazing. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the AJP podcast. If you have any thoughts, comments or suggestions about this episode, please visit the AJP website forum at ajp.com.au and join the conversation. If you have any suggestions for future topics or would like to participate in the podcast, please follow us on Twitter at AJPPodcast and send us a message.